0: Josh, how come we don't do the bench press like everybody else? Brad, do you want to make a million dollars in a month or in two years? He's like, I want to make it in a month. I go, this is like making a million dollars in a month. He's like, awesome. Let's keep doing it. I didn't have to get into it. kind of change or linkage or irradiation. I decided to find out what was going to be relevant to him. Like, could he still build muscle and get strength bench pressing? Sure. But for all the goals he listed out to me, this was more efficient, right? This was more effective. And so that was like, I just had to put it in a way that made sense to him.
1: All right, cheesy intro line in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kreit. So as we are marking the days left in 2023, I feel like it's been a long time since I've had this uh, guest on and I wanted to make sure we got one more episode in with him before the new year, which I'm sure we'll have a plethora of episodes there. So Mr. Josh Hankin, again, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to grace us with your presence.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Corey. I thought it was good to end the year with a one more therapy session, right?
1: <laughs> I kind of needed it myself, to be honest with you. I'm just like, you know, I haven't talked to my friend Josh in a while, and I think um, I think at least three people out there in the listening audience do benefit from our conversations uh, because I usually get three people that tell me about it. So Very we're doing well. well. We're Those serving the people. People, then I guess that's all I need. I don't need neither. None of them are our wives, probably so. My wife is not a listener to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me tell you all the things I've ever said about her on this podcast never comes back to me. So I, I'm, I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, you know, I mean, it's been, it's been a really uh, productive year for DVRT. Um, you know, just a couple things I'm thinking about right away is recently was the DVRT University, which I think is, it's a gem. Um, I'm I'm a subscriber to that and it's great for me and, you know, I'm going to give you a little a uh, little platform on this because it is really great for me to see the videos. And even though I have like a good understanding of what's still happening, sometimes you miss a little bit of this or that. And to get that extra perspective, to see it again and have you and Jessica talk about it really helps me out. Uh, there's just some things that kind of it's, there's so many things going on with DVRT that sometimes you forget a few of those little things. So I definitely appreciate that.
0: No, I pre- and thank you so much for mentioning it. I mean, it was, it's still a project we're trying to grow. I know it's different for people, but I think a lot of the feedback we're getting, and I could totally understand where people are coming from is that there's so much information. How do I sort of organize it and break it down for myself? And so what we want to do is sort of help people that. And so at least by categorizing uh, a little bit of, of the ideas and drills. Obviously, there's crossover, you know, if you're doing some of our drills for correctives, a car- crossover to strength, as, as we'll talk about. But just to give people a framework of like, okay, let me get a base level understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. And then, like you said, go into those details because, as you well know, the, the magic really happens in the exercise when you really have the intent and all the little details coming together. Um, and that's kind of the hardest thing to convey nowadays on social media because everyone's so quick to look at something and, you know, they make a snap judgment or they, you know, they're not going to listen to all the details and then they go try and they're like, "I, I don't understand how this works. So this was an opportunity for us to try to slow people down a little bit and go over those finer details. Because again, it's not that I'm an exceptional coach. It's just, we, we know what those little details are. So when I can work with someone, it's much different than if you're just doing another exercise because you thought it was cool.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about, you put out a ton of content. I mean, you have a ton of content and more from over the years. So it is nice to have that one spot to go to. And as far as I could tell, we're getting like kind of an upload a week, right? Of something new. I mean, like two or three a week, you know, I,
0: okay. I, with the recent travel, it was a little more challenging, but I tried to get in, in around two or three a week. And we always try to make it unique stuff that doesn't appear anywhere else that we can dive a little deeper into a subject matter and exercise, uh, all our webinars are up there so people can go easily find them and listen to them as well. So yeah, if people want to check that out. I, we're just going to keep growing with it. You know, we just talk about program design in there because I know that's a big question that people often have is like, how do I put the pieces together? So we have some examples and discussions about that as well. So again, we just want an easy resource that people can go to and go, oh, I'm interested in this. I'm going to go look at that for right now. And then may I'll come back and look at this, whether it's like knee health or maybe it's mobility or maybe it's power development. And then they can find what they need at that moment more easily. Because you're right, it's been 20 years now. Uh, so it's hard to compile everything in one spot, and that's what we wanted to start doing for people.
1: No, and I tell you what, the, the juice is worth the squeeze on this, and I like that you don't have to feel, you know, if you miss out, like you could join any time, right? You could end any time, that you don't have to start at the first day upload. Now, you might want to start at the first day upload because you do a nice job explaining what's going to happen, but as you talk about, you can kind of bounce around topics, like, ooh, this is kind of what I want to listen to today. It's not segmented in the way that you know the one episode builds off the next and all that there's not a to be continued for the most part that's always the most
0: challenging part whenever you do a program like this is you gotta anticipate that everyone's going to be coming in at their own pace and their own starting point so we want to be able to be able to do that whether you're very well versed in dvrt you can immediately dive into some of the things that you're interested in if you're new you can start exploring and starting to see what we're about and like you said it wasn't like if you didn't join day one that you're going to be lost because it's just it's basically a resource library, is mm-hmm. how we want to look at. So it's like you go to your library, you pick out which book you want. You feel like fiction, you want fantasy, you want this. You want, oh, today I want. Uh, I mean, not a nonfiction, so I want self-help. I can pull that book or whatever to diet. And so it's just it was just trying to make it easier because it is so hard for people to figure out where do I grab this bit of information from, where do I grab that bit of information from. So we're still you know trying to build it up, but it's got a good number of videos on there now. So I hope people enjoy it and I appreciate what you said about it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the small thing to touch upon before we move on, and I'm I'm expecting that we're going to have a, a, an episode dedicated to this, but the MIM, I mean, that's pretty exciting for you guys this year. And I took part in the four-week uh, course that you just did um, recently, uh, kind of breaking down a little bit more. So the MIM, if you want to give us a little uh, snippet of that.
0: Sure. I mean, MIM was something I've been sort of like playing with for the last two years, you know, three years ago. Uh, I, I sort of discussed. I started, you know, really having to look at other avenues for my own health and well-being. I, I really probably, as much as people talk about my little back stuff, uh, my neck, my neck issues are far worse and more, far more problematic on a daily basis. Uh, for anyone that has been unfortunate, has been have been spared the story, I'll make it brief that I do have a spinal disease, and from C three to T two, I'm fused, and there was about four or five surgeries involved with that just over the years and there's, there's a good amount of pain, chronic pain that comes with that and also an inability to use my arms and you know imagine just always having tension and tightness around your upper body no matter what you do and try to avoid things like headaches and things like that so that combined with the low back stuff was really challenging not only from a physical perspective but a, an emotional one and mental one as well so you know trying to go I can't do what I used to be able to do what do I do now? And so, I just went on this journey trying to read up on anything that kind of alluded to, you know, being a a, a, a solution, and which is how DVRT was created in the first place. And so, when I started looking up these mind-body practices and not just, you know, the the philosophical side of it, but actually the scientific side of it, I was really intrigued about their ability to reduce pain, uh, to improve mobility and balance, because at that point, I wasn't able to stand on my right leg really on its own um, from a lot of the surgeries. So, you know, MIM formed over, you know, years of then, you know, first just sort of tentatively doing some of this work on my own seeing like, is there something to this? What is this like? I don't know. know, I was definitely, I say the open-minded skeptic. Um, I was like, okay, I I don't have, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. Let's try it. Starting off literally with five minute little sessions, uh, talking to a number of different people about the different practices and then just starting to see the differences slowly, start to happen. And it's not only just physically, but noticing I was able to regulate some, some of the mental issues that were challenging. Uh, you know, being on narcotics and pain meds at the time was, you know, an increased challenge because it makes your brain kind of crazy. Uh, so it was just, you know, starting to form that. And when I started seeing more and more success, I'm like, this is something I don't see being talked about really in the fitness industry. Yes, there are yoga people doing stuff, but, you know, yoga in the West has really been killed as far as what it <laughs> is uh most of what you see in yoga is not real yoga i mean yes they're nice stretches they're nice movements but there's a lot more to yoga than the stretching and the movements so um and so i was just like you know what what can we do and so that sort of sort of perfectly sort of coincide with the idea that i don't know we went through this giant pandemic stress and people are having more of an emotional Challenge than ever. We see this mental health crisis. So I'm like, it was almost like perfect timing where a lot of the health issues were starting to be understood also as mental health issues that, you know, the the challenges people were having with their general health, cardiovascular, uh, diabetes, you know, cancer and stuff were starting to be traced more and more to stress relationships. So it was just an opportunity to go do that, but also go, how do we improve movement still? How do we still find efficient ways to teach people how to move more effectively? Because I was always jealous. Like I took karate when I was a really little kid, like seven years old. That was terrible. Um, I I was always the chubby kid. I was uncoordinated. My brother kicked my butt and I was just, I hated it. But I always admired, you know, the way martial artists could move. I was like, Oh, you know, who, who didn't grow up during our time according to love Bruce Lee and all those things. And like, Oh, but you thought, I, I always thought that those were the original superheroes, you know, in TV and stuff like they did things that were crazy and, So I was like, you know, but what if there was actually a way, not necessarily to be Bruce Lee, but to teach people what they could really do with their bodies more effectively. And if they did so, how they could reduce their pain, improve their strength, and also how it translates to behaviors. Because as I've gotten older as a coach, I, I appreciate more and more. So much of what we do is behavior related. Like you and I can give the perfect exercise routine. We give the perfect nutritional plan. If we don't address people's attitudes and behaviors We're not going to be successful with them. So how do we do that? Because that's something I don't think we're ever taught in our industry. And so it was a way to sort of slowly introduce those concepts to people in a way that wasn't overwhelming or intrusive. And so I think people are are going to enjoy it. We have some cool things coming up with that program that I think are just going to expand what people think are are possible. And it's cool, too, to now have some strength condition coaches, which I really wasn't expecting as some universities reaching out going, hey, I want to start doing this with my athletes. How do I do it? uh so it's pretty cool to see that i think it was a good timing of of, uh, this program to start come about as well
1: yeah no that's and i'm excited about it i'll be honest you know as much as i'm very coordinated through dvrt i mean i could go through a lot of these drills and perform them quasi effortlessly i'm struggling a little bit on this one (laughs) you know this is a it's the it's kind of a, a turn in the gears of my mental capacity here that i'm slowing things down you know i'm And even though I still listen to my body doing the exercises, there's a different like internal thing that has to happen here. And, you know, just to try to move and breathe. The breathing thing I really struggle with. I'll be honest with you. I've been practicing that. But I do what I finish. Like I'll I'll do like a 10-minute session, um, try and do that like daily. Just a 10-minute session. It's amazing how, even though I have some good mobility in places, how much better I feel, how much more open I feel. And then I use that to go into a session. You know, and it's it's pretty cool. So I'm really excited that, you know, like I said, next year, I want to dedicate an episode just for that. But it's great to know that there's some other things coming down that works with that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's sort of like, and I think the theme that we're going to be talking about today, there was, there was a missing component, I think, to our system that this fills really nicely. Uh, and that, you know, my goal was to eventually with DVRT have this giant umbrella where you could find whatever you needed within the system. Now, the system's never going to be perfect because nothing ever is, but at least we were addressing more issues and more situations than I think most programs ever do. Like, it's cool that you can go a hundred miles an hour, but can you go 15, you know, in a very intentional <laughs> way? Uh, right. And find out things that you're not good at. You know, when I started that, that process, the best thing for me is it brought me back to having a beginner's mindset of what it's like to be a beginner at something.
1: Yes. And
0: that, what, and it also not only did it help me become a little bit more aware of myself, but it raised some awareness of maybe some critiques and judgments I was making prematurely on other people that, you know, why why don't you want to do this? Well, I was like, well, I feel stupid. And for my first time trying to do something, I felt stupid, right? Like I feel uncoordinated. I feel, and so it made me also, I think more, more empathetic to a lot of people starting their fitness journey, because it's been a while since I've been a a beginner in fitness, because I mean, I've been doing it for about 30 years, so it's like you forget all the emotions, you think those are just excuses until you experience them you yourselves, You're like, oh, this stuff's pretty real. I can see why people get a little apprehensive about doing certain things.
1: I mean, have you been reading my diary or something? Because I feel like everything you just said right now is like what goes through my mind. You know, I'm in the middle of doing something and I'm, I'm honestly ready to quit, like just a certain body weight thing. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't, I don't like it. It's, and I'm like, wait a minute. All right, here we go. <laughs> you know, just breathe. Let's go back and just allow yourself to be a beginner. That's it. Is I mean, I think it's a little bit harder as we get older because we, we have our specialties where you have our niches that I'm really good at. And I, I just want to do that. Yeah, um, it's,
0: it's natural to like be drawn to things that f- make you feel good, and to avoid things that make you feel bad. But as we as we tell our clients all the time, those things that we're not good at are probably the things we need to spend a little bit more time with, right? So we just hundred uh, percent. We all we all need the reminder of practicing what we preach, right? Yes.
1: And the good news is, though, I mean, just to end, is that I have been sprinkling some of this the people's fitness programs here. And I I do have to kind of give them a little bit of a different mindset, because even though, again, I mean, you could ask anybody, we talk about being intentional about your movements, but I have to set this up as like, okay, this is not going beast mode, we're not trying to break world records, I just actually want you to relax, I want you to be present, I want you to be, uh, you know, how's how's the turf feel, you know, what's the breath temperature in and out as we do this one movement, and, you know, every time the few people I've given this to now, they're just like, I really like this. And it really helps me because there are those certain clients that this will benefit greatly. Um, You know, we have some clients that I'm not going to give this to because it's just not in their wheelhouse. They're not paying me for these exercises, but I have more people that are more open to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for fitness line down to continue growing and expanding uh, with the help of DVRT.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the goal too is to give coaches to share this information is to share this as something people can use. And totally, it's, So something you have to use as a coach is your judgment. If someone's ready for this practice or not, you know, trying to shove it at, you know, down someone's throat who doesn't really is not willing to take It's not going to be successful for anyone. (laughs) It's like some people, we all had that, like they're not going to be the person that does this or that. That's fine. But, you know, when you come across someone who needs it, can you identify that and then use that as a solution? Well, you're what you're pointing to a lot to not get off topic is just the mindfulness aspect. And, you know, we can do a whole dedicated topic to that. But so much of like I see people on social media looking for stress reduction methods. And the simplest one is just the mindfulness part. And it just starts with something simple as what you just described. And it doesn't take any money. It doesn't take any equipment. It doesn't take a lot of time. But it just takes awareness and, and effort. And uh, you know, it's it's not um it's not a biohack, it's not a life hack, it's not this, that it's just a really simple strategy that can make a difference if we and this is a way we can start teaching people how to do it,
1: yeah. Easily. I mean, appreciate it. So, as I kind of turn the page on to the next topic, you know, thinking about there's a lot of DVRT coaches out there, and as we're kind of getting close to the new year and you know, we know about those resolutions and you and I did an amazing uh, episode last year, right before the new year, talking about this kind of stuff. So if anybody was wants to listen to that, yes. <laughs> well, yes, it was amazing. Um, but the, I think a lot of people struggle as coaches in the DVRT universe of marketing what they're doing in DVRT. I mean, let's be honest, in social media, we've talked about how social media is good and bad. So if I put out like a highly complex flow using the ultimate sandbag, that can turn a lot of people off because they're just like, that's way too complicated. But then if I put in like a highly effective bird dog drag, they're like, well, that's way too easy. You know, so it's just like, how how what would be your advice for anybody that's kind of struggling that wants to market and wants to kind of find their, their ideal client through DVRT?
0: Yeah, I mean, and and to give everyone some credit, marketing now is way different than when I started. I remember uh, recently someone had reached out that I had done work with back around 2002. And so now we're dating ourselves a little bit. And marketing, just think about marketing back then to marketing now is dramatically different because of social media. And, and it's also different now because, again, if, if you have this really small window to grab someone's attention. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's, some things haven't changed, which is that you have to find the problem, right? What is the problem that you're providing a solution for? It used to be, you know, I would say when, you know, I think cables were the first big tool that started like changing how we did things, not only that, but the idea that a gym just wasn't machines, barbells and dumbbells and some cables, right? It was the first tool that was, oh, there's another tool. And then they started coming on, you know, sandbags and suspension trainers and stuff like that. Um, and so what I mean by that is initially because it was so new and and no one had seen this stuff, you can market just the tools, right? Ah, I'm a kettlebell coach and people come to you because I want to learn this new cool thing or wherever it may be. And I was really aware of that when we started our, our DVRT certifications that it wasn't just how to use an ultimate sandbag because that wasn't going to provide enough value to people. That you still have to go back now, now that the tools have become more commonplace, like we walk around our neighborhood when I'm walking with my dogs, and I can see people's garage gyms and their garage gyms don't look too different than most gyms I would see, personal training studios I would see. so that so you can't market off the equipment, right? It's not novel enough. It's not interesting enough. It's now it's we're going back to what solution are you solving. So, like you said, when you're doing that bird dog, uh, just an example. okay, now you have to tell people why is a bird dog good? Right. Why is this? Why is this a better drill than doing the million other things I see on social media? What am I trying to solve and teach? And if I'm talking about little back pain, well, what do we know about the bird dog and helping little back pain? What, how can I educate people to understand why they're doing the bird dog? And then why, why doing this version of it? Well, because a lot of people, when they do a bodyweight bird dog, they don't do it well. So they never get the benefits that we talk about <laughs> that would help the little back. So it becomes a just a, you have to put in more of a long term game of education than the initial novelty of like, here's something cool to do, now go do it. Um, Because people are doing that all over the place. So they can open up their phones and find 5 million different things to go do today. So what they, what you want to do is become a trusted resource, I always tell people. And so that is consistently showing people what problem you're solving through the work that you're doing. And yeah, are you always gonna have people that say this is stupid or this is dumb? I don't get it. yeah. but you start developing a following of people that start seeing that you know what you're talking about. So again, another challenge for a lot of people in our industry is how do you create expertise, right? Because there's nothing in our industry really that says that you're an expert versus not. And I think people start delineating themselves by the information they put out. So if you say, say, like, like, I just went through that process, and even if you do a complicated drill, acknowledge this is advanced, But this is why we're doing it. And maybe then break it down for them and go, this is why it's beneficial to take the time to learn to do. Now, again, are you get a lot of people going, this is crazy. So it depends what your goal of the marketing is, right? If you're trying to attract clients, then you have to figure out what are their biggest issues? What are their biggest challenges? And I never would ever suggest someone go, what you should do is tell them the ultimate sandbag burn, seven times more calories than, you know, anything else. No, that's not what I would do. I would go like, if I'd, I'd find out what are the biggest issues of the community of people that I'm trying to attract. And so then you start addressing. Now, if you're talking digitally, digitally, it's a little more challenging because there's so many different people, right? I'm guessing at your gym core, even though you have an eclectic group of people, that there's sort of a subset of pretty similar people, too, like certain age groups or genders or things like that. You can start finding out more specific things that talk about versus when you're on the internet, you have to decide who you're going to be talking to because it's the old adage, when you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. So you have to start saying, "I'm, I'm not going to be for everyone. I'm going to try to put out this information. I'm going to try to highlight these concepts. I'm going to show them the benefits." So there's always something in marketing of features versus benefits. So features would be, "Oh, I have ultimate sandbags. I have clever bells. I have tailbells, I have this and that." Those are features, right? I have a 2,000 square foot facility. Benefits are the things that people really care about. You know, yeah. I have decreased back pain, and you know, I was able to lose 10% body fat those are the things that are always going to drive people harder you just have to show them then how you do it more effectively and efficiently and that's where you know you do a great job showing people actually doing it and you talk about stories of people actually going through it that may not get a million likes but that's probably going to attract more of the people that you want to attract into your community than trying to reach out and be go, go viral with a video
1: right and i'm really glad that you put it out that way i, I still remember i think i've shared this before but i'll share it again that the first time i met you and was introduced to dvrt it was at one of the perform betters and it was a hands-on yet yeah, your 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 um your title to your presentation for the hands-on wasn't like dvrt ultimate savings you know because i don't think I, I obviously would not have gone but it was like how to improve your group training experience i was like well okay i'll do that because i do group training and you know initially i think i wanted to set myself apart as like a dvrt thing but the only people that really know about dvrt and are city are the people that come to my gym, right? So it's like, nobody in, this can be a little scary. Nobody ever comes in and asks to see my certifications, you know, like, are you a certified personal trainer? So the clients that are coming in through my door kind of already trust that. And they know that I, they they assume that I know what I'm talking about. So it's like, I, I love how you said that because it is, you have to find the solutions. And, you know, I've recently just kind of re uh, redone my ideal client profile. That's what kind of got me going is, you know, so with you making an ideal client, it's like doesn't mean it's the only client that you're gonna serve. But as you talked about, you gotta talk to those people. So whenever you're marketing, you gotta set that up. And there's gotta be some musts for your ideal client. I mean, your your ideal client has to afford you, first of all. You know, they have to have some other things that like these are musts. They have to, they have to have this in order to be in your gym. And then, you know, some of the maybe not big musts. And I think one of them, you know, just talking about it low back pain, like, hey, we want people that have been injured before, because then all of a sudden you can start talking to them, talking to them where your social media post or whatever might be like, have you ever injured your back doing deadlifts? Boy, that's going to make people stop, because I can't tell you how many people that come to our gym that have injured their back doing deadlifts at other gyms. And then maybe you show them a good morning, something like that. Like, hey, we can still pattern that hinge. You know, I mean, you're not using that language, but you, you got to make them stop. And so if you can talk to them, because you were just talking to everybody, hey, do you want to lose weight? Like, everybody wants to lose weight. They're just going to keep going, you know. But if you find that specific thing just to get to your target market, oh, that's amazing.
0: And I think, you know, what you're hitting on, too, is important that you're doing it genuinely. You're not doing just quick bait and then you know, like doing a little switch. Like, oh, you no, know, have you hurt your back doing deadlifts? And then it's like, oh, no, you're just... You know, it's all BS, you know, you you don't go on a whole rant and rave. You go, okay, a lot of people do hurt their backs in deadlifts because they don't understand these principles and concepts. Maybe they shouldn't start with a deadlift, you start here. And then now you're becoming an informational resource. Because again, I think what you're hitting on is that people, first and foremost, have to trust us. And if they don't trust us, they're not going to really want to follow us. I was just explaining to Megan, who I'll be talking to later from your uh, facility, that really, you know, as you can have the best information in the world, but really people ultimately buy people. Because mm-hmm. right? you know they gotta actually like you and trust you to, in order to do it. I've I've met some people that were pretty smart people, but they just had a they just could not communicate well. They just could not relate to people well, so they always struggled because it, it wasn't the information. Just no one bought into them, right? And so I think that's a key aspect, and that's why I say like, as trainers overall, if we're having clients or people struggle being successful, the first thing we have to do is go inside and go, am I communicating well? And I do that for us all the time. If people are not getting what we're saying with DVJ, look, I, do I have to communicate this a different way? Do I have to show this a different way? You know, what, what are we not connecting with people upon? Because I can sit there and try to be on my high horse and be like, no, my information is the best. <laughs> but if everyone's ignoring it because it's just not connecting to them one way or another, then it's just not going to be beneficial. And I can sit there all by myself if I want, but it's not really helping people at the end of the day
1: you don't sound like you're setting it up for social media influencers there with that kind of thought process. <laughs> it's a messaging problem. Yes. They're not understanding my message. So they, it's their fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so it's a lot easier to blame other people. It's a lot harder to go inside and go, what could I be doing better? You know, whether it's, you know, how, you know, you tr- you've watched us and I know you've tried as well. You try different ways to format information or you present information. You've tried different ways to structure the videos and so forth. And yeah, some things hit a home run, something strike out, but it's just about being consistent. It's funny. There's so many, I was, I've talked to trainers that have such a hard time with the marketing side because, and this is the irony. I think Corey is like the, their biggest problem is being consistent. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, but you tell your clients, the only way you can be successful in your training is being consistent. Like you're, you're just like the client that thinks they're going to get lean after one workout. you think you do this one thing and you're going to be successful? I go, it's a long term game. I mean, you got to find things that work out really well and things that don't work out. And then over time, things are going to change what works and what doesn't work because everything will change in your marketing.
1: Yeah, no, that's some great points there. So I hope that everybody out there can take those as they're running into 2024 and just take your time. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a it's a marathon. So awesome. Well, let's get into some nuts and bolts because, you know, we're talking about some of the new things that have been happening in DVRT recently. But DVRT has been around for a long time. I mean, if I'm reading your shirt right, 2005. (laughs) And, you know, and I just like, as you started creating DVRT and started to see things, like what were some of those concepts? You know, how did you want DVRT to roll? How has it been kind of fulfilling? And most importantly, like when it comes to being a system, you know, that's the one thing is when I first was introduced to the Ultimate Sandbag, I originally just wanted sandbags because nobody else was doing it. That was kind of my big thing. And that's, I don't know if that's a blockhead move, but I was like, hey, I want to be different. This is different. And at the time, the bags, the sandbags, the ultimate sandbags fit into my methodology of more movement-based training because I felt like barbells were limited, uh, limiting as well. But I never really understood the concept of the system. And I think that system is like set set DVRT apart from all the other things because I can't find another fitness Provider that offers such an extensive system.
0: I appreciate so kind it. Of hearing you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the big
0: difference, right? And then that's it. Only comes from experience, and that's kind of the hard part for people to understand. Like, so when I started strength conditioning, I'm sure you can relate to this because you do strength conditioning. You do these exercises. Why do you do these exercises? Because this is what you do with athletes, right? And we didn't veer too far off from a, I'm sure, a group of exercises that you'd be very familiar with. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's how you train people. Like you have your exercises, you do those. Mm-hmm. And then I started working with people. I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, well, what happens when that exercise doesn't work for them? What do you do? Like, but this is what we do. We do these exercises. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not naming them because I don't want to get like people caught up and like, oh, but you yeah, this. You're and then I, I got into kettlebells because I was looking for ways to help people learn better. Like, okay, if you can't do this exercise, what can we do? And cables initially seemed to be like a good solution, but cables fell into the trap too of these are our exercises. I remember for the longest period, and I think probably till this day, they have their six foundational exercises. And if you break down the a lot of the six drills, a lot of them are really advanced exercises. Like you're talking about a trigger get up, you know, uh, snatch and things like that, even a swing are really advanced exercises. So I'm like, well, if someone can't do that, what do you do <laughs> right i fell back in the same trap so when i started you know fiddling around with just the whole idea of doing sandbags i was like well, we got to fill in that problem right we just can't give more different exercises than then go what well, if those don't work we go okay where do you start right like again with my background in teaching i sort of started to go let's let's address this like we would a school curriculum right the, we're going to start in first grade what do you need to know to be in first grade and that doesn't mean the mean people like, oh, you're not good or anything. It's like, we just have to have a starting point, right? It's Just like when you we were talking about the beginner mindset, where do I begin you when I teach you these principles and concepts? And that was also the other thing is breaking away from the idea of exercises or muscle groups even and going, okay, we're got, if we're going to do movement patterns, because we were all saying it, but we weren't doing it. Yeah. <laughs> what makes up this movement pattern? What do people have to understand? What do they have to be able to do to execute this movement pattern? And then how do we do this effectively and efficiently? So if I want you to be able to squat, you're going to need good ankle mobility. You're going to need good foot stability. You're going to need both hip mobility and strong hips and a core, right? Okay. Well, how can I go about, you know, having you all understand that while also acknowledging that coaches don't have infinite time to work with people Uh, and people that often come in the gym have certain expectations that they need to be doing something right away, which is understandable. If I was paying good money for something, I'd want to get to it right away as myself, so it was just basically trying to streamline what's the most efficient and effective way to address these things. So oftentimes, you know, when I say something is bad to people uh, online, they're like, oh, well, do I, I don't like this, I don't think it's good. Sometimes say hey, not good, not necessarily bad. It's just, it could mean it's just really an inefficient way of going about that. Now, if I'm going from LA to New York and you want me to go through Asia and Europe and, you know, to get there, it seems a lot worse than just coming across the country, right? Uh, and so it's like, I want to get that mindset, of like what's the best way of doing something? Because I think no matter who you go to as a professional, you want the best thing. That's why you're paying the money. You don't want just an okay thing. You you and I could figure out okay ways of doing things. We want the best. So it took a lot of trial and error and saying like, well, sometimes this works, sometimes it didn't. Why didn't that work? Right? Answering that question too. And just realizing, you know, there's so many factors and variables to take into account and trying to take that on account. Like. Do certain problems get addressed by this better than others or people with certain, you know, ailments or deficiencies do better than others with this or that? Or, you know, does it need to be this linear or are are there other variables that we can play with that makes it, again, another level of progression? Because, again, I wanted to answer ultimately the, the question of what happens when this doesn't work? And, and so I think that's the question we all have as coaches, like, what happens when this doesn't work? What do I do? And if it's just do more of it, well, that doesn't, that's not a great answer, right? And if it's, and, and I'll never forget, I've told you this story before, but, you know, a, a story again, experience that just made my head like uh, aha moment was when I was working out in a Gold's gym, you know, 20 some plus years ago, watching a trainer work with an overweight client who's struggling doing walking lunges and watching her to the point where I'm like, she's going to fall. And she actually did end up falling, him looking so startled. And after he made sure she was okay, his his uh, substitution was a leg, a leg extension. <laughs> because he didn't know what to do when it didn't work. When he couldn't do a forward lunge, what was a suitable way? Where should he fi- have found success for her in the movement? And I think we're getting away from that more and more because we're doing all those weird things like we're, we're going on a heel lift, heel wedges, on squats, we're, we're changing movement patterns. I could probably find a ton of other examples. We're pressing the walls to give ourselves stability. You know, uh, it, we're, we're getting away from actually finding solutions. We're putting band-aids on things and thinking they're going to work because everyone is in this like, what's the next drill exercise I do? What's the next new exercise I do? What's that exercise I do? And rather than just staying the course of the curriculum, like people want to go from first grade to freshman high school and they don't want to go spend time in third and fifth grade. But that is the way you end up being successful. And that's not necessarily a bad or boring thing. You just have to change your way of thinking a little bit and have some patience with understanding that this stuff takes time. There, There is nothing in the world, I think, worse if you're not consistent and give a dedicated effort. So if you think it's going to work tomorrow and then you're going to get it to the next level, it's probably not going to work that way because you and I probably still go back to foundational exercises and go, oh, I didn't realize if I just did this, this feels a little different right? Or I wasn't doing that before. And so then you find a little another cue to go back with, or you find another little problem-solving strategy that you didn't have before because you're spending time on those movements rather than going, what's the next exercise? What's that one? What's that one? It's the the squirrel mentality. What's that squirrel that just ran by? And so it's. I think those are the big things in understanding a system versus just a group of exercises that you have available to you.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is one of the reasons why it's not mandatory, but basically you'll lose your uh, your pay with me if you don't join the coaches session, um, that we get together and we we train together and we do all the exercises. You know, we might do some more advanced things that our clients might do, but we go back to, I mean, today, shoot, bear hug squats. <laughs> how much more basic can that be? But when you use the efficient kind of load and, you know, you're thinking about how much your hands, you know, you're trying to rip the bag apart. You're really pressing your feet harder to the floor. You know, how much more strong you feel as opposed to, you know, you get tired. So we can empathize with clients as they get tired because we get tired. That all of a sudden, it's like that last rep is like, oh man, I didn't really push into the floor as well as I could have. And, you know, I mean, I still came up successful, but if I just made that a little bit more, that would have been better. And I really appreciate the analogy of school and learning. And I don't know where in fitness we've decided to just take that out of. Like, if you think you can do this, then you can do it. Right. I mean, the trainer, like, I'm going to show you how to do this exercise. Now it's your turn. You know, it's like monkey see, monkey do. And I love to approach a lot of our clients, especially the more intimidated clients that just don't want to be in the gym, don't feel comfortable in the gym. I like to talk about the garden and the mold uh, because old Corey, old, uh, not old, young Corey um, would you know, if an exercise didn't work, I mean, I would keep pounding at it. It's like, well, if, if your 10 squats didn't work today, well, we're going to do 10 more tomorrow and then maybe it'll work. Where recognizing now that, you know, trying to fit square pegs into round holes just doesn't work. And it, you think about the shelf life of a personal trainer, you know, if you're doing that throughout all your sessions every day, every week, every month, you're going to get burnt out because you're feeling somewhat like a failure and isn't it funny, the simplest thing you can do is just ask the question, why? Why doesn't it work? But we're not really wired that way in the industry. It's, we know the exercises, you're paying us for these exercises, you know you can't get these exercise, exercises anywhere else, except for here. So I always like to tell people, we're a garden and the individuals are their individual plants. Some plants grow faster, some plants need more water, some plants need more sunshine. Some plants don't need a lot of attention. And it all works out because there is no set. You need to be here in such a certain amount of time. Like by tomorrow, you're there. I tell people it's like testing out. If we have an exercise because we have our baseline that we move up from, it might be all of two sets that you show us, hey, wow, you got some good proficiency. And we know because of the experience, we know what it looks like to be proficient in that movement pattern, that exercise, that we can start adding as we always talk about, our sprinkles. So we make those little progressions. And those little progressions, as you've talked about before, and I'll let you explain more, are, it'd be the equivalent of adding five pounds onto the barbell, right? That we're not we're not going from this to a gigantic progression where you have both feet on the ground, and all of a sudden, good luck, you only have one foot on the ground. So we're making incremental, and because of the system, I mean, I cannot tell you how valuable that system is. And for our coaches, like, I can walk away... Our coaches know everything about that system that I have full confidence. Like when I'm not in the gym and something goes wrong with a client that it's just not the right day for them in regards to a movement pattern, my coaches know exactly how to make that audible at the line and regress the exercise.
0: No, I mean, there's a lot of great analogies in there. And I think, you know, the fact that you train with other people is important. And that's why I always wanted to be a DVRT community, not the Josh Hinkins show. Uh, Number one, that's not a great show to watch, but... uh, It really isn't. trust me it's nothing nothing to behold but also just like there may be things that someone else does that i didn't think about or i didn't wasn't aware of that is helpful like hey when we did this movement i felt this oh that was interesting because i don't feel that or i'm not aware of that no let me see okay yeah or if i change if i do this this feels actually easier oh i wasn't yeah i didn't think about that that does feel easier when i do that or maybe i do things intuitively but I don't think about communicating them, right? I always think about like when I start with my tai chi teacher, like she's got twenty plus years on me. Perform, uh, you know, practicing, she does things intuitively that I have to be very conscientious of, right? Because I'm at the beginner stage, I'm I'm learning, I'm trying to think about things, and she just does them, right? Because she's patterned it over and over and over and over again. So I think you know it's nice to have other people to have that information come in with because then it just expands. The, the, the problem solving, because you're going to run into someone that maybe your cue doesn't work for, and you need to find a different one. And that's why people always go like, when I teach courses, like, is it okay if I say this? I go, does it work? If it works, then sure. Yeah, go say that. Like, th- there's no like one script that you have to say exactly the way I said it. You just have to find the way to reach that person. And, and I think too, it's, I I think the, the problem with fitness is just and it's just a problem of the world in general. It's just, it's not going to change, right? It's the immediacy that everybody wants things at. They want to be great yesterday. They want to have results yesterday. Uh, trainers want to be elite yesterday. Uh, and, and so it's just, unfortunately, it's, it's the it's, it's just the times. So I think it's just something we have to sort of just, why we keep have to keep hammering the education in the system. Um, because again, I think when people keep finding us is when they keep having problems. I always say like DVRT tends to be the, we get so many people that reach out, go, I've tried this, I've tried that. It hasn't worked. You know, I want to try what you're doing. And so it's like, oftentimes we are the last resort. I don't know why it has to be the last one. Sometimes we're not the last one, but I think it's just because, you know, we're not the fancy marketers. We're not the fancy promoters. We're not going to tell you this gets resolved tomorrow because it probably doesn't. Um, And so I think people start going, oh, there's, you're just being honest with me. (laughs) That's, that's, that's unfortunately a novel thing for a lot of people. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, again, with, with the different progressions, it's just also about helping people find better ways of solving problems. So if you go to the gyms that you and I grew up with, which were barbell, dumbbells, cables, right? That was pretty much what and machines, what gym was. Well, how did we progress people? We either had to go heavier or lighter. We did more or less reps. That didn't really solve the problem, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, it wasn't just a problem of like just going light enough or go, going heavy enough. It was just, you know, we weren't mindful of like how we're using tools, what the tools were supposed to do when we put them on people's bodies, what people were supposed to experience, how were they supposed to create movement in their bodies? How how could someone who never felt this before start to understand what it feels like to do that motion that we're asking them to do? And so I think, you know, all the different tools that we have available to us help those answer those questions. So it becomes really, and I think it's, you know, because I have a background in this and I always thought it could be done better. I think what we're really talking about is actually truly physical education, right? You're teaching people how, how to understand how to use their bodies better. And so when you do that, then you need to know again, how does the body work? So again, I can't make something better if I don't understand how it works. Uh, that's why just replicating a movement that you see Corey or I do doesn't necessarily work because you have to understand why are we doing it, how we're we doing it, what led up to us doing it. But you know, it's also the challenge too of managing all these new variables, right? People feel very comfortable if all they have to do is change the weight or change the reps. Hmm. When they have to now think about weight, I might have to change the tool, the position of the tool, the position of my body, the point of motion I'm working in. Or I need to, might give, need to give more feedback. I think for a lot of coaches, because it's not being formally taught in a big enough scale. Like, I'd love to say that when, like, we're running everything, but we're not. And so the predominant information out there is you go lighter, you go heavier. I've heard influential people say exactly what you said, just do it more often, just hammer it away. it will get better. Um, I've heard people like, then then they get self-conscious if they don't do that exercise. Right. You and I have ran into this with coaches that we try to consult with, like, well, if I'm not doing that exercise, am I a bad coach? Like, no, is it a good exercise for you? (laughs) Is it making you feel better or worse? Is it making your clients feel better or worse? So I think it's, it, there, there has to be some courage and time devoted to the coach too, to sit down and go, okay, this is a lot of information coming at me. There's a new way of thinking. Do I want to do this? Cause if you don't want to do it, it's going to be a miserable, you're not going to do it. Right. If this is a client that shows up at your gym where he goes, I don't want to be here. Do you think, Oh, that's going to be a really successful client. Right. That's my, that's my ideal client. No. I mean, it's okay to have, caution and skepticism and hesitation It's another to fly out and say i'm not going to do this right that's why like we've all met that person go i should exercise more but i'm just not going to like okay like,
1: i'm not going to change your mind i'm going to convince you out of it right gotta,
0: yeah. change that probably so it's the same thing with the coach like do you want to be a much better coach because it's going to take work it's going to take time and it's going to take consistency like you don't learn all this overnight And I think that's, again, the coach gets overwhelmed thinking, I should be great at this tomorrow. And when they're not, they're a little bit frustrated because they're like, I went to this course and I think I should be awesome at this because I went to the course. The course is just your classroom. It's just the setting. Now you have to go study for a while, right? And so if you don't study, you're probably not going to do well with it. But in this immediacy you know, era, it, it's very hard for people to have that mentality because there's going to be someone that tells them, I have all the answers and you're going to get it tomorrow, right? You just do these drills. It'll fix all these problems. So there's always that, you know, fighting in one ear. It's like the angel devil, you know, on your shoulder. There's the, you know, on one side, it's like saying, but if I go to this program, they'll tell me all the answers. I'll have these exercises and they will be awesome. I'm like, That's always a red flag to me, not something encouraging, but I understand where people are coming from versus, well, this is going to take work. This is going to take time. This is going to, I'm going to do this over and over again. I'm going to make mistakes, but that's how I'm going to learn. That doesn't sound nearly as sexy as a sales pitch, right?
1: Well, like you said, it's so the hypocrisy in our fitness industry is like, oh, you got to do fitness all the time because it's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice and all this, (laughs) and there's no quick fix. But yet we, as trainers, we have shiny object moments because we get desperate, we're, we get a little bit maybe self-conscious. We're kind of thinking, you know, either you see the people on the internet doing things and they're having a great time doing it because they're posting all the happy moments. Um, And you know, the one thing is, you're right though, like it, it takes time, it takes work. You have to put some effort in, you have to study. But I think what's most satisfying is when you, you know, how many nuggets do we find while we study that just kind of even stoke the fire more of what we're doing. Like, wow, my goodness, this this is so amazing. You know, and then you just keep going. It's like, wow, it just keeps, keeps getting better. And that's how I feel whenever I'm going through, like, I'll go through the material from DVRT. You know, I'll go through the restoration manual. I'll go through level one, level two. I'll go through uh, the lift modules, you know, and the stuff that's being out in DVRT university. I'm loving to review that because I love reviewing because I start learning other things. I get other ideas. And You know, I guess my one burning question is when you create a DVRT, did you see that? I mean, how you could improve like mobility through strength exercises, meaning I can almost guarantee you 100% that if you went to the barbell gym and you pulled somebody off of the bench press, well, let's say you screen them first for shoulder mobility. Let's just say we're using the FMS because it's a popular thing. And then they go do their bench press and then you rescreen them. Most likely, their shoulder mobility didn't improve. It probably actually went the opposite direction. Or when you barbell back squat, you know, how your hip mobility might actually become less mobile throughout that exercise. Where with DVRT, I mean, the mobility actually increases even when you're using like heavy loads.
0: Well, I think the answer your question, and maybe there's a different way of phrasing it, is that DVRT is created on a because people go, uh, people ask me when other podcasts I've done, they're like, so like where DVD came from and the hardest thing to explain to them, it didn't come from one thing. It came from going, I can't tell people how many courses I've been to as a student, as an attendee, like, gosh, it's kind going of, to be almost like close to at least a hundred. When you think about like, all the courses and that's a lot of courses. Yeah. And some of those were better than others. And so the ones that didn't work, I did try them for a while but I started to learn, I want to well, why didn't it work? Was it the ideas? Was it the application? What was it, right? The ones that did work, why'd that work? What worked, you know, what worked better than before? And what concepts did I learn? What did I not know before that made this more effective? Like, I'll give you a quick example. When I started doing cowbells, Pavel had a, has a big background in martial arts. So he was the first person I ever heard talk about rooting into the ground. Mm-hmm. And the idea of just rooting in the ground, getting my feet active in the ground, Made an immediate impact upon my low back pain. So that was a huge thing that transformed, you know, what I would do for the rest of my career. Just that one little tidbit. I could, I could forget everything else he said. And, but just doing that was transformative. Right.
1: Mm-hmm, yep.
0: So it, it's DVRT is based on a whole bunch of different programs and experiences and, and clients that taught me what worked, what didn't, why. And to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I would, do all these corrective exercise programs. I went to numerous corrective exercise programs who all promised, like, oh, we're going to solve all the problems in the world of all these, you know, joint problems, and they never did. And I would give them consistent work. Like, I didn't just do it one time, though. They didn't work. I'd give them, like, six months, right? I'd give it a real honest shot. And I'm like, because I paid good money to go to these things. I wanted to try it, right? For sure. Uh, And I'm like, this is just, this is not working on me, but it's also not working on my clients. So it wasn't just a sample size of one. It was like, I'm putting this to a diverse group of people. They're not enjoying it and they're not getting better. So, hey, you know, there's interesting science there. Can I take the science and figure out a different application for it, right? Because maybe it was the application that was a problem. The science is there, right? I would go and read all the citations that, you know, were in the manuals and stuff like that. go, oh, there is, they're not wrong. These concepts do exist. Maybe the way they're just applying it isn't working. And so with the ultimate sandbag, I just said, like, it was literally like, well, we know this is important. How do we do this better? Right. And like, oh, I can create tension. We knew, we need, we knew the law of irradiation that, you know, if I create tension specifically in a very purposeful way, I can gain better stability. Well, how do I do that with the ultimate sandbag? Well, I got to. Break the handles apart. I gotta break it apart when I'm holding it. I gotta break it apart in that bear hug position. And then I get that. So I was like, oh, here's a tool that allows me to easily access that concept and that creates a very profound difference, right? You were just talking about bear hug squats. You see it all the time. If people just hold it in the position loose, it's a crappy squat. If they do it and they create that tension, it becomes a great squat. Right. So the implement hasn't changed, it's just how you're using the tool. So you have to understand, that's why the principles and concepts are so essential, right? But you can't, I don't, I, we've said it for our whole time. I don't want you to buy ultimate sandbox just to buy ultimate sandbox. I want you to do it to use our system. Yeah. And so when you use the system, then it becomes a powerful tool. Otherwise it's just a thing, right? Okay. Uh, so I think to answer your question, it's just like, well, yeah, but it was also finding out why would strength help mobility and then finding ways of applying that via a different tool. And can different tools help? Absolutely. We play around and go, hey, if we did this concept with a kettlebell, if we did this with a band, we did this with this and that, like, how does that help? And just find more effective ways and go, but I don't get the same amount of feedback when I use a kettlebell that I did that when I did the ultimate standback. So maybe this should start before that happens, right? It's not that the kettlebell is not good, but it's like, maybe I need to do this before I do that. And that's how you start shaping the system, right? Oh, when I do this with a band, yeah, I get some of that, but not as much. That needs to be even later on. Right. so so that's how you that's how we start building up the system is taking out, like, what are these important concepts? And then what happens when we try to apply them that we have with these tools that I think do bring out the best version of those concepts that you mentioned the barbell? Like everyone always asks, like, when do I use the barbell? I go, listen, if it solves a need, go do it. If you need to go do it for something, then go do it. But if you're asking me just because you're just looking for a reason to use it. You have to tell me why you're choosing it over something else because it isn't a very versatile tool because it's very limited in the number of ways you can use it. It's very long, which makes it very difficult from a leverage perspective. And, you know, you can't grip it different ways. You you know, you can't create the same feedback as easily. So for a lot of people, and, and like, no one can answer the question, why is it straight? <laughs> I mean, ergonomically, our arms don't stay in a straight motion. <laughs> right?
1: That's hilarious.
0: I mean, it just because it is, right? I'm like, it I always think has been. Think because it looks shiny and looks cool uh, to some people. I don't know. I'm sure some people use this bar. Um, and somehow there's some sophisticated, specific design in the barbell. It's like, not really. <laughs> no more. That's why I always laugh when people go, oh, you got a duffel bag with handles. I go, you'd be surprised. This is way more co- conceived than you would think like a barbell is. Um, so it's just, it's just understanding the intent, but also going through those experiences, understanding principles and concepts, because if you don't understand the principle concepts then this sounds, this can often look like randomness madness, right? Just oh, like, absolutely.
1: well, and you know, recently I was asked what was one of my favorite things about DVRT, just kind of a random question. And the first thing that popped my mind <laughs> had nothing to do with programming, had nothing to do with the implement itself. I just had external cues because that that makes my job easy but it also makes our clients more successful because if we're sitting there you know we joke around about you know engage your core squeeze your glutes all this like your general population what well, even your elite athletes don't quite know what that means to do you know they know how to re- like the elite athletes know how to react and engage their core almost subconsciously but if we're doing an exercise we're like hey squeeze your you know whatever was, a lot of people don't understand that and having the handles, knowing about your feet, using the bands for assistance, for for feedback mechanisms, how much easier this makes my job, how I don't have to, I still talk a lot, yes, but I don't have to repeat the same thing over and over again, knowing that there is such intention when you pull the handles apart, when you grab onto something as tight as you can, how you build in some more of that stability and strength. It's just right there. I mean, I still remember, I talked about this before, I'll repeat it. The first time I was doing the DVRT Ultimate Sandbag stuff, I performed better. It was the Good Morning exercise. I had uh, low back issues. I did my first rep, and I heard my back do that snap thing, and I'm like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> you know, I'm gonna three day three day uh, course here, and I'm I'm out the first morning, and then you said, "Hey, make sure you grab the ground with the feet, like really grip," and you know, and I did the second rep, and no back pain, and then I, I was able to go on and do everything throughout the day, throughout the entire three-day weekend. And right there, like you're talking about Pavel teaching about the feet. Honestly, that blew my mind. Yeah. Because it was like, how come I never knew about this? And I always love it when FLD gets to be the first people to tell people to use their feet. <laughs> like, Clash, i never heard about this before. Man, I feel like if you, if you do that to somebody, they, they're going to know you're the expert. Because it's just it makes every exercise totally different.
0: No, 100%. I mean, it's no different to me than if you or I were going to hang out a uh, fitness line down banner in your gym, and you, gave, you, know, you you asked for a nail, I'll give you a nail, and then you go, okay, I need to put the nail in, I give you a screwdriver. You're like, Josh, why did you give me the screwdriver? I go, I like screwdrivers.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, you can take the end, and you can bang it in. You can get the nail in, right? I mean, you're like, well, I guess. I mean, it's going to be kind of ugly, and I mean, I don't feel great with it. But like why won't you give me the hammer You're like well i like screwdrivers i feel like that's how a lot of trainers program right yeah. they use the tool I, I like it well is it the best thing to solve the problem the problem is to put the nail in the wall right well i don't know i just like this right or you know and so that's if people ever ask me coaches ask like well how do i know what to do is you gotta understand why you're doing it i mean it's the most simple thing in the world to say but most people won't take the time to actually learn. And doesn't. And I do have some compassion in the fact that I've been sent these social media posts by supposed experts that use really complicated language. I mean, to not, I'm not even being funny. Sometimes I think half these words are made up because I've never heard of them before. Uh, or they're used, used terribly out of context. But because it's complicated, they sound big. People assume they know what they're talking about. And so it gets very confusing, but I always go back to the Einstein idea, right? You got to be able to explain it simply. If you can't explain it simply, you don't really understand it. So it's cool if someone's throwing out these big words, maybe you're interested in it, go research it, go look into it more, see is there validity to it, but you got to really understand it. If you really understand the why, then I don't care what someone and is doing. I'm going to do this because as far as I know, this is the best way to approach this. If you present me with new information, I'm open to it. I'll look at it. But as far as I know right now, this is the best way based on the whys that I understand. And so, so many coaches ask you, ask me, well, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And i why are you going to do that? You know, and and how many times the answer is like, either I don't know, or because so-and-so said it was good, or I, I, you know, well, I'm not sure, you know. There's a lack of confidence because it just didn't take the time to understand the why deeply enough. If you, right. I think the best way to build confidence is just to understand the why.
1: Well, yes, yeah, so you become more competent with the information.
0: <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like, like I always hate physics in college. And I remember like, you know, physics was just one of those things that just didn't ring in my head right. And you know, I'd get through the test and mark up all this stuff. Like I'd put on like all these false numbers and equations. I'd try to confuse my professor, right? So i at least get partial <laughs> credit. Mm-hmm. and I, ultimately with all that effort and work to I confuse them so to make sure make it look like I knew I was doing ultimately I would come back very often going this doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> and it's like your attempt to confuse the situation doesn't make it make more sense <laughs> right your attempt to throw in big words or complicated ideas or you know say this and that doesn't make it more effective you need to just simply understand why are you doing this and if you can't explain it simply, like, I think that seven second elevator speech is good to your client in seven seconds to make it valuable. You don't understand well enough. You got to go back to really think about, do you understand this correctly?
1: Yeah. And I, I think, too, like when you understand the why as a coach and trainer that, you know, whatever whatever methodology you're using, if you know the why it's so much more beneficial for the clients as well, because how many times has a client asked the trainer about like, why am I doing this exercise? And the trainer almost gets offended because it's like, why are you asking me this question? Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the expert where I love answering these questions for people. And, you know, I tell them if I don't have the answer, I'm going to go find out. But for the most part, it's like a lot of the answers are pretty simple when it comes to understanding, because. I have, you know, I'm not trying to make myself bold or anything like this, but I have spent a lot of time investing in DVRT, knowledge and information and making it make sense for what I do on the program, but what I also do on the training floor. So I welcome the opportunity for clients and they're not questioning me because they think I'm wrong. They just want to know like, what's this for? Why am I why am I grabbing onto the handles as tight as I am? And then I can have a little bit more in-depth conversation with them. I think to some degree, um, as we're wrapping up, we just had a holiday open house um, event this last weekend. And I did a, um, a, a a workshop, I guess you could say. And I we had a lot of our, our regular clients there. And um, I was talking about the sprinter stance. And a lot of these people are group training clients. So they don't necessarily get the the detailed coaching that our personal training clients would. You know, We don't let them do things wrong, okay. but they don't quite understand the intention of all this stuff. So when I was breaking down the sprinter stance for them, They're just like, everything changes now (laughs) because they, they didn't quite, they knew the sprinter stance. Like I knew the sprinter stance back in the day where it's like, oh, I just, I bring my foot back and I just pick up my heel kind of, and you know, it works. But to understand like what the intention is of the sprinter foot itself, like I just see their eyes get big and they're just like, the next time they're about to do another exercise in a sprinter stance, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole different meaning for them.
0: No, I think that's a great way to bring everything together because, you know, when you're telling those stories, I was like, you know, though that is like perception is reality. And there's a lot of truth to that because we can all have the same situation happen and have a completely different perception of what happened. So when a, when a client asks you a question, you can decide to be offended or you can be like, oh, they're actually interested in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one's more exciting to think about? Right. And, I, and you've heard me tell the story before that I had a very successful business client. And one day we're working, I think we were doing like suspended pushups. I Maybe we are doing ring pushups, right? Mm-hmm, and he goes, to me, he goes, Josh, how come we don't do the bench press like everybody else? Because I was still in a commercial gym at the time. And I said, Brad, do you want to make a million dollars in a month or in two years? He's like, I want to make it in a month. I go, this is like making a million dollars in a month. He's like, awesome. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> right? I didn't have to get into change or linkage or irradiation. I decided to find out what was going to be relevant to him. Like, could he still build muscle and get strength bench pressing? Sure. But for all the goals he listed out to me, this was more efficient, yeah. right? This was more effective. And so that was like, I just had to put it in a way that made sense to him. And that, yes, does that come with experience and talking with people? Sure. But I want people to start thinking that way when they expect things. when you talk about the spirit like the fact that you can have a group training atmosphere, but instead of making it where everyone does the same thing, you can just do little tweaks to make sure everyone does the right thing is so powerful that even if they left your gym, that they're never going to have that same experience again. And even if they don't understand what's different, they're going to know it's different and not as good. Yeah. (laughs) Right? But I think we've all, if you've been coaching long enough, you've all had, especially if you're the first trainer someone's ever had, where I've had clients that are, like, are with me for several years. They're like, oh, Josh, you know I think I know I'm going to take some time off. I'm like, okay. You know, if you ever decide to come back, doors always open. And then like six months goes by and I, they come back and they're like, it's almost like a walk of shame. They're like, I tried another gym. It wasn't as good. I'm so sorry. I'm like, you don't have to apologize. Once you have that experience, because if nothing else, again, this is how you choose to look at something. Now you actually really appreciate what you're doing here. So I'm actually thankful that you went there because you may have just gotten bored and thought, oh, is this really the best way of doing things? Now you have a reference point to understand what else is out there. And you are coming in here with more excitement and more enthusiasm because now you, like you said, like you got an opportunity to see there's a much deeper line of thinking than just making you sweat, making you tired, things of that nature, or just making you do an exercise exercise we're really thoughtful about what you do here and you start to appreciate that more and that builds more buy-in and helps you communicate to your friends why you go that gym and why you go that coach, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I just love how, I feel like that last you know couple of statements just tied everything in this podcast together, whether it was the marketing stuff in the beginning or how DVRT, just all the components just work together to help people with their goals. I mean, that was just a good little bow, a little Christmas well, bow on there.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and it's, I think the biggest thing is that if coaches can slow themselves down and really take time to dive into things, whether it's DVRT or anything else. And I think that's what you do to become a good coach. You're going to find some things don't work or work as well as you hoped, but that experience can still be incredibly valuable if you're just very aware of, again, understanding everything behind it, is it the science, is it the application, is it the, you know, the queuing? and so, I mean, so many times you and I get coaches, I mean, I know you get coaches all the time, go, I want to watch what you do at Fitness Line Down, just don't try to replicate what Corey does, right, it's not like trying to be Corey, because you can't, but it's also understanding, like, how you make detailed concepts very accessible to people that are coming in there just to work out, mm-hmm. right, and there's, owning the concepts enough where you can make things seem seamless that other people would see as complex. For right. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, watching the videos you post at your gym. Like if I share most people like those videos of your group training, there's so confused, there's so much going on, but because you have such ownership of the concepts for you and your staff, it's very simple things just tweaked in a little different ways. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the difference I think in, in the ability to coach well in that.
1: I anyway, know sometimes when I put the videos out, I'm like, it seems like there's just, it looks chaos, but it's, I mean, I don't even call it organized organized chaos. It's just organized. Like everybody knows what they're doing. We're coaching and using all of the things that we know through DVRT. Everybody has a great time doing it. They get their effective workout and, you know, they're just, they're always amazed by the small little tweaks that we can do to uh, either progress or regress an exercise.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, I think you're the proof in the pudding a lot of times where, If you spend time on something and get good at it, it's not very overwhelming. It's very, it almost becomes simple and becomes automatic. And so again, it's like, I think the trainers have to acknowledge and this is coming full circle, when you get into a new system or new program or whatever it is, you're in that beginner mindset and that's going to be like being in first grade, it's going to take time to get to being a PhD. Like Corey is right. Like where you like this stuff is easy for you and just automatic but it only comes with time and practice. Yeah, you got to put in the work. Well, I think all, all the good stuff does, and I think I, I wish, I'm gonna sound like the old man here again, like people would just slow down and realize nothing happens tomorrow. Yeah, and stay if, off you just, my lung. If, <laughs> if you're gonna say the adage that training has to be consistent, nutrition has to be consistent, and so is your dedication to becoming a better coach.
1: Hey, Amen. that's a great way to, that, that's a good final like mic drop, right? there um so Josh I know you got to get ready because you are scheduled to talk with Megan here in the next hour so I'm gonna let you prepare for that I know that this was a pretty intense conversation that you probably just lay down for a little bit um, but as always I so much appreciate your mentorship your friendship and your willingness to come out of this podcast and give us your insights
0: my pleasure I just hope people get something out of it uh, even if it's just a little inspiration just to you know, slow down and have that confidence that it is going to be a process. And if you stay with the process, you're going to reap the reward. So I appreciate you giving the platform and being a good example of what happens when you do so.
1: It's my absolute pleasure, my friend. All right. So for all of you out there, until the next time that we speak, Godspeed.